when you review your year, are you closer to God this year than you were the previous year or in general? And those are the only two options. Either you, at the end of this year, you found yourself closer to God or further away from God. Those are the only two options. You can't like be in the middle. So you're either closer or you're further away from God. So which is it? And it's really healthy for us to do a review of our walk with the Lord this past year. How did you do? So I had to do this myself. I had to look in the mirror and I had to ask myself the honest question, am I closer to God this year than I was last year? How am I doing in my relationship with the Lord? Now, in many ways, I, I had a great year. And in certain areas of my life, in certain facets of my life, I have gotten breakthrough and I've gotten answer to prayer and I have gotten closer to God in certain areas of my life. Some areas where I thought that I wouldn't have any victory and I just, just honestly just engaged in spiritual warfare and said, no, I'm not going to accept this in my life anymore and I'm going to choose God's promises over my self-imposed curses. Amen. And I got a lot of victory in a lot of areas. And then the Lord pushed on me a little bit more. And he says, do you love me more than you did last year? And I'm just like, here's the answer. I've got more work to do. I, I could have done better. I could have loved God more. Like, that's the truth. Like, I could have loved God more. And so I had, to, I had to ask myself this question as the Holy Spirit is, is prompting and working on me and molding me and pushing me. Okay, why, why didn't you love God with everything that you had this last year? What could you have done to love God more? What was getting in the way? And like I said, I have the answer. So if you, maybe you can relate to me. It's like I could have, I could have done more. I could have loved God more this year. If you can relate to me, I have the answer. And it's, um, it's not some prophetic word. It's not a word of knowledge. It's just my experience. And so I've got a little video, a little, a little uh, clip for you that might answer that question. So let's, let's roll that first one. <laughs> Yeah, do we have the other? Oh, wait, wait, she's still, it's still going. It's still going. There we go. Yeah, that's still going around. Yeah, poor cat. Have you ever heard of the term, the spinning wheel of death? Look at your bulletin cover. Look at what's in between the two fingers. Look at that. You guys recognize that. How does that make you feel when you see that? When you see that scrolling pinwheel of death, how does it make you feel? Like there is a a level of frustration that, that comes when you're trying to access an application 
And it's not as fast as you want it to be, or it's not responding the way that it should. It's not functioning well. You get, is it just me? I'm so frustrated. Why is this application taking so hard to load? I've invested heavily in this computer. Has anybody ever said bad words to their computer? Has anybody ever yelled at Siri or your internal AI devices? Have you ever yelled at them? You know, please don't raise your hand. But has have you ever like violently attacked electronics? Like shaken the, your laptop or your computer? Or slam down your mouse because it wasn't responding fast enough? Have you ever lost your temper with technology? Oh, boy. Where are we going with this, Pastor Josh? Okay, so here's the deal. Um, we get frustrated with our, our applications. We get frustrated with our technology, whether it's our car or our computer. Some of it might be your scale. Your digital scale that's broken. Clearly, it's broken, right? Clearly. Clearly. We get frustrated with these things. If you get frustrated, I wonder if God ever gets frustrated. You think about that. Do you th- You've read your Bible, right? Does God ever get frustrated in the Bible? He does, actually. Like, God gets frustrated with the Bible. Or, I mean, excuse me. No, that's his Bible. He wrote that. He doesn't get frustrated with his own words, excuse me. No, but he gets frustrated in the Bible. There's, like, there's clear moments where, like, God's just like, oh, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) Time and time and time and time again, I have delivered them. I've saved them. I've healed them. Time and time again, I've I've done these things. And, And so it's really hard for us to, in a sense, empathize with God. Like, we don't understand the frustration that he has. It's probably easier to say that it's not necessarily frustration, it's heartbreak. And so here's the illustration. Let me, let me highlight what the illustration is. Um, just like you are a... Think, okay, how many people saw the movie Tron? Okay, so there's the user and then there's the program, Right? And so we, we access, we're the user, we access our computer, we engage our, our, our applications, and then we get frustrated when they don't perform the way that they were designed to perform. So I'm flipping the illustration. God is the user, we're the application. So God is, he's, he's engaging us. God's turning on the computer, he's opening us up, he's engaging the application, and we're spinning out. We are, we are, we're, we're stuck in the pinwheel of death. We're the hamster in the cage, going round and around and around and around and around and around again.
You want to know why you weren't as close as you could have been last year with God? Do you want to know why you are uh, maybe less like Jesus this year than you were the year before? Do you want to know what the answer is? Is that we're too busy. We, we're, we're in, our, in our heads, we're too busy. We've got, we've got too many... Okay, why do we have the spin wheel of death when we're trying to open, when, when we're trying to, to engage our, our, our application? Why does that kick on? It's because we've got too many applications that are open that are running in the background. We, we haven't taken the time to upgrade the computer. We haven't taken the time to refresh the computer. We haven't taken the time to make sure that all the bugs and all the viruses are all, have all been worked out. And like, if it's not maintained, or again, if we have too many things going on, if we have too many things running in the background, when God tries to access us, that, 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 spin wheel, that pinwheel of death kicks in. And we're just spinning out of control. So if you're wondering why, Maybe your affection for the Lord isn't what it should be. It's, it's frankly because we've got too much going on. We have too, too many competing voices. We have uh, too many programs running. You know, and, and maybe the programs are good programs. Yeah? Like maybe you've got some good programs that are running. And maybe they're all God-based programs, but you're just, you're just spinning too hard. You've got, you got too many things going on. You're at, I've said this before. It's from a book that we read a while back. But you're using God to run from God. You've got too many God th- things going on. When, and you're wondering why you're anxious. You're wondering why you're frustrated. You're wondering why you're not getting anywhere. Like you're just going round and around and around and around. And so, in this coming year, gosh, I wish I could, I'm going to try my best. I really wish I could teach you how to love God more. But it's just, honestly, it's a condition of the heart. And so, probably the best Advice, the best practical application to this idea is that how, how, do, we, how do we slow down to, to love God more, to hear God's voice? I think it's fascinating that like, even in this modern age that we live in, with so many distractions, like, I'm like, I'm already jonesing for my phone right now. <laughs> like, I've... It's upstairs. I, like, I put it upstairs and I left it up there for a reason. But I, just, I can actually feel it buzzing in my pocket right here, and it's not even here. Like, part of me just wants to insert that right here into my wrist, my phone. That way it would always be integrated into me. <laughs> like, oh... Oh, I mean, you think that that's weird, but we're already there, folks. I know we have a lot of things to worry about in this world, and we have, you know, that's the political season coming up next year. Oh, God help us. Um, artificial intelligence should be one of our largest concerns as Christians. 
That, that's the one that we really need to be aware of. It's so sneaky right now. And it's, 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 the future is here. Anyway, that's another sermon. So many different competing distractions, applications, programs that are running in the background, in the foreground, that keep us from being intimate with the Lord. From actually just having a very simple conversation with God. If your year was anything like my year, where I like, you know what, I, I, I could have been more intentional, I could have... I could have loved God more in certain areas. Yeah, I did great in this area, but this area where I used to be really strong, like it just kind of fell, fell apart a little bit, honestly. And again, the answer for me was that uh, there were, there's just too many programs running in my life. And some of them, maybe take a note on this. Some of them, some of the programs running in my life, the applications that were, were spinning that wheel, some of them were beyond my control. Like, they weren't my fault. Like, the distraction, like, I, I can create my own distractions. Thank you very much. I'm a, I'm a genius at that. I can create my own distractions. Um. You know, I, I'm, I'm a creative person in my mind. I'm all over the place. I have a hard time focusing. I got my own distractions going on. But in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have distractions that, that you did not create. And that's just the reality of it. And those things, they will make you, they will make you physically busy. So there's certain situations at your work that, that you have to do that you don't have any control over or that your boss is making you do them because you have to do them or there's been a shift or a change in the economy or you've got to get a new job. Like there's certain things that are beyond your control and, and it's, going to, it's going to suck up huge amounts of time, energy, emotional bandwidth, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Now, here's the temptation when life gets busy beyond your control. The temptation via the devil will say, you're too busy to connect with God. You don't have, like, you've got to do all of this, uh, this output, this emotional energy being spent at, at your new job or your new career or your new project, what have you, and, like, and you're done. And therefore, in your mind, you think, I, I, don't, have, I don't have the time to spend with the Lord right now. Okay, that, okay, yes, we need to slow down, but sometimes you don't have a choice to slow down. Can I get an Amen. Sometimes you don't have a choice to slow down. And you might be frustrated because like you like your heart desires to do the the pro, to do the, the 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 ministry event, to do the the devotional, to do the Bible study, to do the you know the thing that 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 really feeds you. But um but it's been taken from you. How do you how do you adjust for that? How do you pivot for that? You know, you want to go to the you want to go to the, the worship conference, right? You really you want to go to the, you bought the ticket. You want to go now. You want to go buy the T-shirt. You want to go to the worship conference because you know it's going to be good for your soul. But you can't go to the worship conference because Aunt Matilda died. 
circumstances beyond your control, right? And so you can be a super hyper-spiritual person and go to the worship conference, or you could be a good person and go to the memorial service, right? You, you gotta do, sometimes you just have to do the right thing, even though you don't feel like doing the right thing. And you can trick yourself in saying, I can do the spiritual thing that feels like doing the right thing, but it's not. Doing the right thing sometimes is doing the hard thing, the thing that you don't want to do. The Bible gives us, I hate to say this, I'm not going to say that word, because it's cheap and it's below us. The, the Bible gives us tools. You want to know what the word I was going to say? <laughs> I know you want to know, huh? It's, it's a cheap word. It doesn't apply. Who said it? Hack, yeah. It's not a hack. It's a principle. It's a truth. But the, the Bible gives us what we need when we feel like we are overwhelmed with life. quote it from my head. It's just not on my stupid notes. I have, a, I have a smartphone that's teaching me that it's a dumb phone or it's making me dumb. I have a smart tablet and my Ecclesiastes 3 verse is not in here, so I'm going to quote it from my head. Um, there is a season and there is a purpose for everything that is under heaven. So, um, This should, like that, like that statement, that wise word from the wisest man that ever walked the planet, with the exception of Jesus, he says that there is a season and then there is a purpose for everything that is under heaven if you are tapping in to what God is doing in the very moment. You might not be able to get your uh, discipleship worship fixed because you've got to go to Aunt Matilda's funeral. Why? Because that's the season. There is a time for rejoicing and then there is a time for mourning. And so if you are embracing the season of mourning that you have found yourself in, you will be greatly encouraged by the Word of God and that He will give you that connection that you will need with him in that moment, even though it may seem dark. In our little leadership huddle today, this morning, like that very, that very um, story was, was, was told to us in, in the group that in the midst of, of, a, of a memorial service for someone that they love deeply, like, that was a joyful moment, and in fact, that was the highlight of their year. How, how can a memorial service be the highlight of your year when you've lost somebody that you love deeply? Why? It's because there was a joy beyond expression that they felt in that moment. God was there in that moment. And that was a highlight? Well, that's just what God can do. That's just what God can do. So there is a time and then there's a season for everything under heaven. What season are you in? You have to ask yourself, what season am I in right now? Am I, am I in, a, in, a, in a deep plunge into the things of the Spirit? 
Am I engaging my, the deepest part of me in, into a connection with the Holy Spirit to connect with God? Or am I engaging my mind in the study of the Word of God? Or am I a, applying my, my physical strengths and abilities in service of God? Or am I in a season of... of connecting to the body of Christ, of making my relationships at home and my relationships with the church stronger and my reconciling broken relationships? Like, what season do you find yourself in? I mean, just because you find yourself frustrated because the user is accessing you, right? You're like, God, I don't want to open up right now. And he's like pushing the button. God's like up there in heaven. He's frustrated. He's like, come on, application. Open up. Open up. Open up. But God, I'm working on this over here. And he's like, open up. No, this is the one I want. I want this right here. Open up. We got, we, we got to allow God to open us up into the season that he has us in. And you'll be like, God, it doesn't feel good. It's Okay. It doesn't have to feel good. It just has to be transformative. The cultural prophets and the church prophets. Oh, you guys okay? I'm here to give you good news, but this is going to sound like bad news. The cultural prophets and the spiritual prophets, they're all prophesying that 2024 is going to be a hard year. Well, it is an election season, so right there, that's going to that's going to that's going to be interesting. Like I don't I'm not saying I have a prophetic, you know, window into the future of 2024. I don't I don't, don't know what to expect. Frankly, I don't care. Whether it's a good year or a bad year, I don't need the, my, the, my Bible, my Word of God isn't an eight ball for me to shake up to show me what the future is. Right. Like if you have to find comfort in knowing what the future is, maybe you're not loving God enough. Because if you're, if you're loving God more than you did last year, come what may, it won't rock your faith. So who cares if it's going to be a good year or a bad year? Just love God more this year. You don't need to know the future. You just need to love God more. Like if, 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 the, if, if, a, if a Notre Dame future effect is what it was going to take for you to love God more, maybe that's not love. Maybe that's fear. Because what that says is like, okay, uh, Jesus is coming back in 2025 because this guy did this chart. <laughs> that means I've got at least 10 more visits to Las Vegas. Like some people think that way. Seriously. I know it sounds funny, but some people think that way. I've got, I can punch my party card a few more times before the Lord returns. That's one motivation. The other motivation is like, well, time is short, and I need to do better, right? Time is short. 
There's, there's more people that need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Like, that's, that's the motivation. And so, let's just say the Bible did give us the specific day that Jesus was going to return. Would that motivate you to go and share your faith or to love somebody better or to love God better? Would that motivate you to do a little bit more? Maybe it should. Maybe it would. But how about if we just take a higher path and let's just say, let's just, shoot, let's just pretend that God's coming back tomorrow. Let's live in such a way. Let's live in such a way that the return is imminent at any moment. Let's live with urgency. Let's live with dedication. Let's live with passion as if any moment could be the day. Because the truth is, like, he might come back any time. The truth is, it, maybe it could be another 2,000 years. Or the truth is, you could just get hit by a Mack truck tomorrow. Right? And so let's just live as if today is your last day. What would you do if today was your last day? It's the last day of 2023. What would you do? I don't know. Okay. So we're going to be dealing with situations that are beyond our control Problems and mistakes that we did not create. Situations in life that have brought added stress and pressure. So 2024 could be like, how many people was this? Was a, you were under a lot of uh, pressure this last year. I got some people that were under some pressure last year. Bless your heart. Some of you, and I know some of you had a really, really hard year. When we were just kind of like doing a review of well, like the ministry impact that Granite Creek had this year, like it was good. Um, like financially, it wasn't great, to be honest. Financially, it wasn't our best year. Baptisms is about the same. Conversions is about the same. Like we did okay this year. But you know what was interesting about this year? is that we had more people on this campus than any other year in our church's history. And it was through nativity. I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but it's, it was either our, our, probably our second highest out, outcome uh, in attendance. I don't know if we'll ever beat uh, Narnia nativity, by the way. Narnia nativity was the, that was the, that was the one. But the amount of memorial services that we've done in this building, um, events, like we've had more foot traffic in the building than any other time in our church's history. We've been extremely busy. We've been extremely busy. And in busyness, busyness can either be A distraction from the enemy, a curse from the enemy. But if you allow it, you can also allow it to become a blessing. Amen. I want you to think about and remember your most frantic state you've ever been in, where you were just bouncing from one application to another. Where some of it was your some of it was your doing because you had some bright ideas, right? So some of it was your was your doing, and other was was this life just got out of control and life got crazy. 
and you were just going from one thing to the next, from one event to another event, from one meeting to another meeting, from one coffee date to another coffee date. Like, it's just, it was crazy. I want to think about, like, how frantic and phonetic that situation was, where you were just ping-ponging all over the place. Is everybody, has anybody ever ping-ponged all over the place? All right. How was your relationship with Jesus at that moment? You know, you've been talking to so many people. I think I might be working my own stuff out right now. Sorry about that. <laughs> I might be working my own stuff out. You are, um, yeah, you are. I'm, I'm, I'm laying my, my couch down. You guys are all my, I have, a, I, have a, I have 200 therapists in the building right now. Thank you. Do you know what? Okay, it, it's, there's a biblical truth in here that we, can, that we can apply. A hack, if you will. Again, I hate to call it a hack because a hack is, that's cheap language. There's a biblical truth. There's a nugget. There's a, there's a, there's a spiritual dimension that, that you can tap into when you, when you find yourself ping-ponging all over the place. And in the midst of your craziest moments, do you know what that is? Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. See, God is the God of the planet, but He's also the God of the schedule. He's, he's the God of the situation. He's the God of the circumstance. He's the God, if you will, of the craziness. And if you want to have power over the craziness... Even if you're running, be still and know that I am God. You might be running late to work. Like, you might have to break the law to make it on time so you don't get fired. You might have to do 80 on the freeway so you can hit your time clock before you get chewed out again. Be still and know that I am God. Um, loving God is a, God, it's, it's even beyond a state of mind. The state of mind, the state of mind says, okay, mind, self, I'm going to be still, and even though I've got so many things going on, I'm going to be still and know that he's God. I think probably what the Lord wants to work on me with, because, yeah, I had a busy season. And yet, in the midst of my pressure, this is what, this is what the Lord's working with me on. Maybe he's working with you on this too. In the midst of my pressure, um, Instead of being still and knowing that he's God, I would be still and take the phone out. Why? Because chemically I need a dopamine hit. So much pressure, so much stress. Instead of being still in the moment, like when I have a moment to breathe, instead of being still in that moment, 
And knowing that he's God, I reach for the chocolate chip cookie instead. Why? It's because my body needs a dopamine hit. I need to feel good in that moment. So much stress, so much pressure. I need to, you know, release the pressure valve a little bit. So I'm going to take a hit of scotch or whiskey or wine or beer or whatever. Why? It's because it works for a moment. But instead, if you just choose to be still and know that he's God, you will find the pressure alleviating and coming off of you. I'm telling you, man, AI is the problem. <laughs> I know. No. No, it's, it's, it's the pinwheel of death, like right here. Philippians 4. Like, I, I probably, I, I, I love this verse. 4, 6. Okay, don't worry about anything. In some translations, it says, don't be anxious. You know that anxiety is a big player in these days. Like, our kids are anxious. Where's that coming from? It's coming from the pinwheel of death. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, take out your cell phone and play solitaire. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Instead, do a, do a deep dive on your phone and start the scrolling up and down and all that stuff. No. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Put the cookie down. Put the booze down. Put the phone down. Turn the Netflix off. And pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank him in advance before you get it. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Right? Isn't that a... Think about that that verse for a second. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand. The other translation says, which transcends all of our experiences. Again, God is the God of experiences. He's the God of schedules. He's the God of situations. And so, and, you know, when we put these other things down, when we turn the other programs off, when we, when we unplug the other applications, whatever busy thing that we got ourselves into, whether intentional or unintentional, whether we... We don't worry about them anymore. We're not anxious about them anymore. We're not pushing on those buttons anymore. But instead, we're praying about the situation. We're praying about what we need. 
And then we'll experience the peace of God. I'm going to tell you, the peace of God is not like your dopamine hit that you get from the phone. The, the peace of God, which transcends our situations, um, it actually doesn't feel real good at first. But if you disciple it, if you let it in, it feels a lot better in the long run. It, is, it will level you out. The peace of God will level you out, and it will keep you from being so frantic. It will transcend your situation. And do you know what the peace of God does that dopamine, the, 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 the technology doesn't do? You know what the peace of God does do? It guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's what it does. And when your heart is guarded and when your mind is guarded and when you begin to develop the mind and the heart of God, guess what you can do better? You can love God better. So let's turn the other life programs off, put the stuff down, and pray about everything instead of worrying about everything. Because worrying isn't going to get you anywhere. guys okay? Years ago, when I was a kid, this happened, this, this, this can happen a lot in, in a pastor's life. It seemed like it happened to my dad a lot more than it happens to me, probably because I just don't make my address publicly known. But I remember as a boy, so this person isn't around anymore. I remember as a boy, um, the guy comes, knocks on the door. His life has fallen apart, and my dad's ministering to him. Like this guy was an emotional basket case. He was a wreck. Like you could see it on him. You could see the nervous anxiousness coming off of this guy. And this is somebody that, like, I knew. I knew who it was, and I respected him. I, you know, he was like an elder. Like, oh, this dude, this guy, he knows his word of God. He's awesome. Uh, well, he wasn't awesome that night. <laughs> and you want to know what it, okay, just think about, like, what could it have been? Did he have an affair? Or did his wife run out on him? Or did he lose everything? Did he get fired? Did somebody in his life die? Like, what was the thing that was so bad that he had to interrupt our dinner for? What was it that was so bad? You guys want to know what it was? This incredible man of God decided to have a bunch of kids. <laughs> they just really felt like it was their God-given duty to have a bunch of kids. Because that's what God would have them do, to, to, to be fruitful and multiply, as the Word of God says. And the reason why he was having a nervous breakdown is because his kids were driving him crazy. <laughs> and here was the gripe. Here was the gripe. The gripe, the gripe was, I don't have enough time just to pray anymore. 
I don't have, I don't, I, my, my morning worship time has been disrupted because of my kids. I can't go to that prophecy conference because my wife is making me stay home and take care of the kids. Like this guy's life has fallen apart because of, because of this. First Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do you know that whatever you're doing, whatever you're, you know, whatever you're partaking in, whether it's a, a social party, whether you're eating or drinking, or whether you're going to work or you're going to church, or you're paying your taxes. Whether you're working in your yard or whether you're raising and disciplining your children, we are to do it all for the glory of God. Like, it seems like a no-duh, but raising your kids and spending quality time with your kids is actually probably more spiritually mature than going to the next church conference. Spending quality time with your family is of a higher spiritual um, priority than going to the next worship conference. Like, like if you leave your, I mean, I'm not saying that you don't do this stuff. I'm not saying that you go to the, you know, don't, like, yeah, like, like some of it, you need to escape your children. I totally get that. Some of you need a break. I will not be babysitting your children. Because in my mind, somebody's got to spank those kids, and why not me? No. <laughs> so, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, we don't believe in spanking in this church anymore. I have, I have, I have never, well, I've never spanked my own child. I, you know, what am I talking about? I should probably wrap this message up. Okay. Okay, the, the point is, the, the, the hack is whatever you're doing, you do it in the glory of God. Like if you're going to go to the church conference for the glory of God and like there's, there's peace in that, that's, that's like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to be filled up. I'm going to get what I need. And then maybe I can help others with whatever this is. Amen, do it. But if you come home from a weekend or a week away, of something that you think that is good for, for you, but it's not good for your family, that will be your sign. That will be your sign. That is a clear indication that you're using God to run from God. Because transformation of the world and transformation of the culture first takes place in the transformation of the home. It's our number one priority. Okay. Let me put a bow on this. I think I could probably go all day. <laughs> all right, so back to the question. Do you love Jesus more than you did last year? 
I think I got some yeses, which is really encouraging. Some of you probably had to do what I did and do like a little hard deep dive. Like, oh, like the answer should come a lot quicker than it did, Josh. Right? The answer should have come a lot quicker. We've got some work to do. And so I got some work to do. But at the same time, like I said, I've had some major victories in my life this past year. Victories that the Lord could only have done. And I want to, in certain areas where I have learned to love Jesus more, it's in a, a season of my life that maybe I've neglected in other areas. So certain areas of my life, I do love Jesus more. And even though I, it, it's, in, it's impossible to force somebody to fall in love with somebody, right? I do this, I'm, I'm, I do this with my daughter all the time. I'm like, Sophia, that's a really cute, good-looking, smart boy that loves Jesus. You need to <laughs> fall in love with him. Do not fall in love with Chad. Okay? You just leave Chad alone. You fall in love with that boy. How well does that go? How well does it go when you're telling somebody to fall in love with somebody that you know it's good for them? How well does it go when, when you're forcing your affections on something that you don't have affection for? So I get it. Okay, so... Um, Intellectually, I know that I need to love God more. Emotionally, I, need, I, I feel like I need to love God more. Amen? Hmm? That is this thing. It's the heart. Okay, why am I not loving God more? Right? That's an honest question. Like, why, why isn't my heart at a, at a softer place than it once was before? And again, it's because I've been too busy. I have too many competing things. I have too many applications open. I'm in the, the, the pinwheel of death. I'm doing too many things, or I'm distracted by too many things, right? And so what I have learned last year is that I don't have to be a slave or a victim to the system. I don't need the machine to get me to feel good. And when I say the machine, I'm just not talking about the computer. I'm not talking about the phone. I'm talking about the principality of the air that runs this place temporarily because Jesus is in control, but he's still pulling strings. No, there is a, there is a machine that keeps me from intimacy with God. Now, here's the thing. I know I love God, I feel I love God, but my heart needs to connect with God. So, let's use this thing to make a choice to connect with God. And this is the thing that it requires, this is what I learned this week, this year, excuse me, it requires you to do something hard, you've got to push in. It's going to require you to activate the strength that God has given you to be dedicated to the Lord. You've got to be able to say to yourself, self I'm not going to do this anymore. 
and I'm going to I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to I'm going to make this as, as practical as I possibly can be because I know I've been talking about some abstract things here. The victory that I got in my life this last year was in a fast. The disciples were trying to cast out evil spirits that couldn't do it. They were literally getting beaten up. They were losing. Like the, like the best of the best, the most spiritually mature, they were losing in spiritual warfare. And Jesus says, like, yeah, you guys were doing this, this stuff, and that stuff was easy, but this stuff is harder because there's, there's demonic principles, principalities over the situation. And it's just, gonna, it's just frankly harder. And then Jesus says, this type comes out only by prayer and fasting. Some, I know that we are a praying church, and you guys pray. I want to encourage you to fast. What is fasting? Fasting is denying your flesh what it desires. Some of your flesh desires the buzzing that's in your, in your pants and your phone and your purse. You're, you're, like the, the machine has trained you to desire that to, to make you feel better. The, the machine has wired you to entertain with cheap entertainment. The, the, machine, the machine has wired you to eat those chocolate chip cookies and to eat the processed food and to not take care of your temple to not exercise. So, this, uh, when did I start this? I think I started it in August. I went on a fast. And I don't know if I would even call it a spiritual fast um, or just a lifestyle change. I'm not quite sure what I wanted to call it. But what I do know is that God wanted me to do it because God wanted me to prove to myself that if I partner with him, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, Amen. right? Because if you know me, you know I love myself some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> they hold power over me. You laugh, but it's true. I like sugar. I like it a lot. And I came into this mindset that said, I'm so, I'm so stressed out. I have so much pressure. I need to alleviate this pressure. I'm going to eat this cookie. I'm going to self-medicate. I'm going to drink this beer. I'm going to self-medicate. I'm going to drink this beer really, really fast. I'm going to self-medicate, right? And I started believing the lie, like, this is just the way that you are. You just, you just, you're always going to turn to sugar for your moments of weakness. This is just the way you are. You're, all, you're just going to, instead of uh, connecting with God, you're going to connect with entertainment. This is just the way you are. And then I started believing the lies about the people I love. This is just the way they are. They'll, they'll never change. Have you ever said that? Have you ever believed that? 
Have you ever believed that this is just the way that they are? They're never going to change? This is just the way that the world is. It's never going to change? This is just the way that I am. I'm never going to change? Look, I'm going to just declare it. Big, giant, fat lie from the pit of hell. We are in the business of change. You have to believe and you have to hope that, that the world can change. You have to believe and hope that, that the people around you, that they can change. And you have to believe that you can change. And I'm telling you, you can. You can have victory over the things that enslave you. And so if it's sugar, you can have victory over that. If it's inappropriate stuff that you do on your phone, you can have victory over that. If it's hanging out with the wrong people that are a bad influence, you can have victory over that. But Pastor Josh, they validate me and they feel so good. I know, but they're also instruments of the devil. That was that's pretty harsh, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Um, loving God is not a it's not a a practice of legalistic rules, but it is an expression of spiritual disciplines. I should I should quote that. That was really good. Should write that down. Just made that up just now. Legalism, following the rules, checking off all the boxes, being the perfect good little boy and good little girl is not going to get you closer in loving God more intimately. But applying discipline to your life, doing hard things for the glory of God will give you the victory that you desire and need. So... Um, if you, if you choose to stop eating chocolate chip cookies, God's not going to love you more because you did that. But you will be stronger, faster, smarter, more engaged. You can do it for the glory of God, and you will see victory if you do so. Having, you know, having control over your flesh. Stop living in a sinful lifestyle. Like saying, okay, I, I'm not going to live in that sinful lifestyle anymore. That's not going to make God love you anymore. But what that will do, if you are free from the bondage of sin, what that will do is that will move you into blessings and not curses. It will, it will take the mark of the enemy of God off your life, and then it will allow God to pour upon blessings. Look, we're all going to sin. You probably sinned before you got into the building. And I get it. We all do it. There is moments of weakness. We all have moments of weakness. Either in our mind or we actually live it out. We all have moments of weakness. But the danger comes in is that when we justify the behavior and we make excuses for the behavior. You just don't understand what we're going through, Pastor Josh. You don't understand the culture and the times. It's just acceptable that people move in before they get married. It's just the way it is these days. And so, therefore, I'm a part of this system, and I'm just going to go along with that system. This is a big, fat lie, folks. And we wonder why we're spinning out of control. We partner with sin, and we think it's okay. So here's what I propose. I propose, because I know you guys want to grow. 
I know you guys want to love Jesus more this year than he did last year. I, I, know, I know your heart, I know your heart's desire, but you just feel like you can't get there. This type comes out only by prayer and fasting. Now, this might not be for you, what I'm going to propose. It might not be for you, and that's okay. But just consider it for your life. It might not be for you. You know, maybe this is, maybe you're beyond what I talked about today, or maybe it's just too much, or maybe you're just like, you know, I've been there, done that, I'm not going to do that. But just consider it. This, it might not be for you, but consider it. This is what, it, this is what I did. I've done diets in the past. I've done disciplines in the past. They've all been good, but then I kind of get back onto that wheel. Can I get an amen? Okay. I honestly believe that the Lord gave me a number. He said, you need to cut the sugar out for 70 days. And 70 is a biblical number. I don't have the time to get into biblical numerology at the moment, but 70 is a biblical number, like 12, like 3, um, it's an, like 40. It's an important number in the Bible. So I could have done 40 days of purpose, but I'm like, how about if I do that? I can go, I've done it once before. I can do it again. I can, do, I can go 40 days of purpose and, and, you know, and apply some discipline to my life. And the Lord says, no, that's not good enough for you, Josh. You need 70 days of transformation. And so, I went 70 days, I cut out sugar, I cut out booze. And I did something physical every day. There might have been some exceptions. Whether I went on a walk, or I worked out, or I did something. You, you want to know what took place after that? I have control over the cookies. They don't have any power over me in my life anymore. It took a 70-day principle to get it out of my system, to like literally rewire it. But I, don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. Um, if, I need to, if I'm down on the dumps, I don't turn to sugar anymore. I'm learning to turn to the Lord. It, it was, and I'm going to tell you, um, it wasn't easy. In fact, it was stinking hard. First three days, I was doing good. I can do this. Yay, I got, you know, I got this, you know, I can do it. I got willpower. It was great. No problem. Uh, a week into it, like, I'm jonesing. I'm grumpy. I have major headaches. I'm, uh, I'm not sleeping well. It was terrible. But I'd made the decision with the Lord and said, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Now, if, you, if this is for you, I promise you, like if you say, okay, yeah, I need to cut out sugar. This is, is going to be a new principle, and I'd love to join you, Pastor Josh. Like if you do think this is for you, I guarantee you something bad's going to happen the first week. You know, if you need to cut out booze, like if you turn to that self-medicate, I guarantee you 
Something bad's going to happen that first week, and that second week, and that third week. Your, your boss is going to be all up in your business. You're going to take a financial hit. You're going to get into an argument with somebody, and you're going to try and justify it. But if you say to yourself, this type only comes out by prayer and fasting. And if you say, by no circumstances am I touching the cookie. By no circumstances am I, am I going to touch the alcohol. By no circumstances am I going to not get my body moving around the block, on my walk, on my run, on my lift, whatever. And, and like, this is the covenant. It's a covenant. Like, I, I say it wasn't spiritual, but I don't really think it is. Like, it's going to be hard, 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 hard. You're not going to want to do it. Your flesh will fight against it. But you know what Paul said? Because Paul had the same issues we do. Paul says, yeah, I, okay, we shouldn't do this, but this is what he says. He says, I whip my body into submission. And then we kind of took it out and, you know, made a mockery of it, and people started whipping themselves, which is not the point. It's like the self-flagellation thing. That was horrible. That's not... It's like, I feel bad, so I'm going to whip myself. That's terrible. Don't, do, don't ever do that. No, what it's saying is, I have control. I tell my body what to do. I tell my feelings how to feel. My feelings don't tell me what to feel. I tell my feelings how to feel. I tell my body what to do. I tell my body where it goes. I tell my body what to put inside of it. Yeah? So you, do, you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, His Spirit and your Spirit in partnership, you can have control over this stuff. And it's going to be a downright dirty, hard fight. And the other thing, and I'm going to modify it this time around too. Okay, so there's just three things that I want to challenge. This is what I'm going to do again. It might not be for you, but I'm going to do it again starting tomorrow. I'm cutting out sugar 100%. I might modify it and cut out white processed flour. I don't know yet. I haven't gotten that far. Cutting out sugar for another 70 days. Why? Because I can. Because it's not a big deal anymore. You can too. Two, daily physical exercise to get this, to love God with my body, with all of my strength. Yeah. And it could just be a walk. For a lot of times, it's like I, I don't get too uh, dogmatic about it. I'm just walking around the block, just getting my body moving. And then three, this will rewire your, your mind and your soul to connect your heart to God's heart. Three, a daily time, a daily time with God in His Word, and in His prayer. Daily. This is what I'm going to modify, because um, I would do my daily time on my phone. Because I've got some amazing Bible apps. But even my Bible apps, it's the pinwheel of death. Huh? And so I'm modifying, and I've got some great applications that really help me. Bible memorization apps are great. But there's something evil about that phone. And so my modification is that I'm going to go back to the, the written stuff, the paper. 
And it, it doesn't have to be draconian. It can be two minutes, five minutes, five hours, just daily, daily time with Jesus. It doesn't have to be intense. It just has to be a conversation. Those are the three things, and that's, that's my 70-day challenge. I'm doing it. You can join me. I'll probably be doing some other add-on stuff, but that's what I'm doing again. Um, after the 70 days that I did, um, I adopted the discipline, and now I just have one cheat day where I'll have sugar once a week. That's, what I, that's my new rhythm. Um, I celebrated during the holidays. So I had a couple of cheat days because a lot of you made me chocolate chip cookies, and it just would have been really rude for me not to eat them. Yesterday, guess what I had for breakfast? Chocolate chip cookies. And guess what I had for lunch? Chocolate chip cookies. And they tasted really good. But you know what? I'm like, you know what? Ah, I don't, that tasted good, but I don't need this anymore. In fact, this doesn't actually feel good anymore. That's what we, so, you know, we do that with, you know this, right? You, 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 uh, you get healthy, and then you eat junk food, and you don't feel good anymore. The same applies to your spiritual life. You get spiritually mature. You get cleansed of sin and, and behavior and lifestyles that are sinful. You get that stuff out, of, out and, um, and you feel good. And then if you mess up, you feel icky. You know what? Like, not, not for guilt or shame or anything, but if you feel icky after sinning, it's kind of a good thing. That means it's like, yeah, you should not be doing this. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. And so, uh, it's New Year's Eve, the last, year, the last day of 2023. I'm going to finish off those cookies <laughs> that you baked me. And I'm going to wash them down with a Cabernet. And tomorrow, I'm back on the wagon. Maybe it's for you, but you should join me. All right, let me get the band to come on up. I'm wrapping up the message with a little message from Patricia. It's further application. Go for it. So I'm encouraging you to be still and pray about getting involved in a movement, a move, you know, start moving so that, number one, to develop health, so that you're stronger, healthier, happier, and fit, ready, and prepared for the master's use, so that you can walk further with Jesus. A movement to participate in the 5K, the Kid Care 5K. That'll be on April 27th, 2024. So you have plenty of time to prepare for it. And actually, you know, if you don't move at all, just start moving from the, you know, the remote to the going and changing this channel. <laughs> you know, start where you are. If, you know, go out to the mailbox, get your mail. Walk around the block. Start where you are and make it slow. Because if you try and do it too fast, 
it doesn't work. You know, it hurts. And Pastor Joshua talked to us about doing the hard things for the glory of God. So a move meant to provide resources for the Kid Care International. And you all know, as we are part of the Granite Creek Community Church, supports Kid Care International. It's already gone over, so I won't go into the detail of all the wonderful things that it does, but your participation in the 5K provides the resources to continue that work. Some communion. Would you do this for us? Thank you. Okay, will you join me in celebrating Jesus Christ? I just thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. You're the living bread. You're my fresh manna from heaven, my daily bread. I live and move and have my being in you. And Lord, we just thank you that on the very night that you were betrayed, you took bread. And when you had given thanks, you broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup, the cup of blessing, the new covenant. And he said, for us to drink of this new covenant, newness of life, a new beginning, old things are passed away and all things are become new. So Father God, as we receive cup of blessing. We receive Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive a new love, a new beginning of prayer and exercise and fasting of those things that the enemy would use to keep us in bondage. We receive victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this incredible year, this incredible year of exposure of the church, like showing people who we are, what Granite Creek is all about, what we do. I mean, we've done a lot of outreach, some unintentional outreach this year, and we just pray that all of those seeds that you planted, that they'll be watered, and that we will be the harvesters of your field, Lord. God, we, uh, we pray for everyone that had a painful and difficult year, a year of loss, a year of frustration, but they remained faithful. God, I pray that there would just be an incredible blessing poured out on them in this coming year. I pray that, that they will find the new life that you've called us into and new hope and new vision. God, we thank you for the discipleship that took place in this building from our Bible studies, the men's groups and the women's groups and the Bible studies. God, I just, I, I just pray that all of that seed will, will take root. 
And as we're looking for 2024, come what may, may we be a transformative people that love God in the hard times and in the good times. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. We love you, everyone. Have an incredible new year. I'll see you next Sunday.